0: Overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Envision Together, going to our next level of best. I got to tell you, this episode is extra, extra, extra special to me because today I have a very special guest. I have with me today, Maribel Gonzalez, and she is a former student of mine. Really, when I... First became an educator so many years ago. I think it was what is at least over twenty years ago. She was one of my students, and she contacted me in two thousand twenty-two, just before the holidays, via Instagram, and absolutely made my day. Nothing is better than, first of all, just finding out that someone valued or saw something in you that would cause them to look for you, that is like the biggest compliment you could ever have. But for it to be a former student and for me to be able to talk to her and hear some of her story and the ways in which she said I influenced her life, it puts me on cloud nine. And that's why this episode is so very, very uh, special to me. She's a special young lady, a strong young lady, and I'm so proud of her and so humbled and happy to have her on the show. So with that, Maribel, tell us about yourself.
1: Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me here today. It is an honor to be here to collaborate with you. And I am very humbled to hear all your kind words. A little about myself. Again, my name is Maribel Gonzalez. I am a daughter of Mexican parents. Mm -hmm. I was born in Los Angeles, and I grew up in the city of Pomona. And, um, you know, I had my struggles, my challenges growing up in the hood. But now I consider myself to be successful, and I'm currently counselor for the ESL department at Mount San Antonio College in the city of Walnut.
0: And I love hearing all of that. And oh my God, you say your name so much better than I can pronounce it. It's beautiful. Say it one more time.
1: Maribel Gonzalez. And let me tell you, this is a part of my transformation because before everybody would say my name in an English way, Maribel Gonzalez, and I'm okay with it, right? But I started embracing saying it in my own tongue the way my parents, you know, meant for it to sound. And so for me to be able to say Maribel Gonzalez, it's also an honor for me to say that and to embrace my roots. I so love it. Thank you for it. acknowledging that.
0: I love it. Of course. And it's so beautiful. I love my name too. Pamela Mariva Mashana and Mariva and Mashana are Swahili. I'm all about the names and and embracing them and loving them and all the heritage that comes with it too. I, again, am so happy to be back in touch with you. And I don't mind sharing with our audience that it doesn't stop here with this podcast episode. We are looking forward to getting together in about a week or so and seeing each other in person for the first time in so many years. So I'm elated and I look forward to that too. And I also want to say, you know, I'm in touch with former students, but I'm somebody's former student, and I'm still in touch with a lot of my teachers from high school. I think it's like this beautiful circle. So let's jump right in and hear a little bit more. I'm calling this episode a candid conversation between teacher, Dr. Mashana, and former student, Maribel Gonzalez, almost 20 years later. We have so much that we can cover. And in our previous conversations, we talked about some things that might be good to share. So, one of those first things is from that previous conversation I had with you, you told me that it was a conversation we had when you were a teen and it helped you. So, what was going on in your life at that time that I may not have been aware of at that time that helped you?
1: there was a lot going on at home. Uh, I was a very rebellious, angry teen. I didn't care too much about school. I didn't really think about you know, the future, what was ahead of me. I just thought about hanging out with my friends and having fun and just that. I didn't really care too much about school, like I mentioned. And with that being said, I remember I met you sophomore year. You were my English teacher, and I remember being rude and disrespectful. Hmm. I would pass notes during class, and I remember there were several times where you told me, like, hey, you need to stop. You know, you need to pay attention. And so what really stood out to me is that, you know, you actually told me you wanted to talk to me after class. Hmm. And you pulled me aside, and um, I was angry. I was very angry. I was like, how dare she, you know, tell me to stay after class? Like, I have to go to my next class. I don't want to be late. (laughs) How dare (laughs) she? And, and, you know, it was that teenage entitlement that, you know, that was going on for me.
0: Did you really not want to be late or did you just not want to submit to me asking you to stay?
1: It is exactly that. I (laughs) didn't want to, (laughs) you know, I didn't want to stay there and hear what you were going to tell me because i already knew you were going to try to hold me accountable for mm-hmm. my behavior. Mm-hmm. And so and you did. You know, and i remember you told me like what's going on? You're always talking in class, you're you're not paying attention, you're passing notes. And i was just thinking like so, who cares, <laughs> you know? And i know i didn't say that to you, but in my mind that's what i was thinking. I just remember going to my next class and then just thinking throughout the weeks and the days, like, oh my God, you know, like she had the guts to pull me aside and hold me accountable for my rude behavior in class. And so I started thinking, I, I need to respect this lady. Hmm. You know, I owe it to her. Like she's right. She's just here doing her job. And I'm over here being rude and disrespectful, not paying attention. I need to be better. Like Mm -hmm. you saw me and you cared about me. And so to me, that meant a lot. I felt seen and I felt heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, when, when people, especially youngsters, teens, when they feel seen and they feel heard, they're more receptive to hearing what others have to say or more willing to make positive changes.
0: Wow. You never know. I mean, I guess it's just me. I've pulled <laughs> many students aside <laughs> and I've had other students actually get in touch with me later and say, thanks for that tough conversation. But with you, I remember the encounter, but I actually don't remember the all the words that I shared. What Did I talk to you anything about, I don't know, valuing your education or was it just don't be doing class.
1: I don't quite remember, to be honest with you, okay. but I just remember the impact it had on me. Okay. And you know, 20 years plus, it's still something that stays with me in my mind. And like you said, you know, you've pulled out other students aside, and I think it's like you're planting a seed without really knowing that you're planting a seed. And then that little seed will then somehow grow and bloom. And that's how I feel that that happened with me, because there are teachers that I feel like made an impact with me. And when I think about those teachers, it's definitely you and my fourth grade teacher as well. And I've also reached out to him to to express my gratitude, you know. For the words that he said that really impacted me. And I think your words, his words, um, because then we developed a different type of relationship when we started getting along and I became your teacher's assistant for another class. Mm -hmm. So I feel those things really helped me see that I did have potential and that I can do more instead of being like a rebellious teen.
0: You told me in a previous conversation that you were shocked that I wanted you as my TA after um, having the experience of you having an attitude and everything. But do you know when you contacted me and you told me all this stuff about you being such a a bad student or whatever, even when I listen to you now? Oh, my God, that's nothing.
1: Well, times have changed.
0: You weren't (laughs) such a bad student. (laughs) No, even back then, I never viewed you as, oh my God, this girl is a thorn in my flesh. It was, you were challenging. You were strong willed. You had a little bit of an attitude. I remember that, but that didn't rock my world. It was more like, I want more than that because I want you to learn. If you're passing notes, you couldn't possibly be paying attention to the lesson. I think you remember yourself as being more of a challenge than I perceived you to be. That's kind of what we do too as educators. We take people under our wings. You see potential in someone. So you had an attitude, but what teenager doesn't?
1: (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that we had that opportunity for you to be my TA and that it was meaningful to you. And do you know, you've given me such a special gift. I can't emphasize it enough. There is nothing better than when a student tells you, you made a difference. Cause you know what? We all have our moments in life where we're like, we can feel down at times, but it's so incredibly uplifting To be contacted, the fact that you took the time to find me on Instagram, all of that blows me away. And you had the nerves to say, if I wanna talk to you, of course I wanna talk to you. (laughs) It's so funny. So thank you again. Thank you for reaching out. And I am made richer because we're back in contact. So let's jump into some of our other questions. You did tell me that you had anger issues. And that you may still wrestle with some degree of imposter syndrome. Well, I know a thing or two about things like that. So we'll both share from our own perspectives, but I want to hear from you first.
1: So I'll start off with um, addressing the anger issues. I think most of that came from my upbringing. Cultural things like dealing with machismo, having, you know, a parent that wasn't emotionally available Mm -hmm. I'm just struggles like that, especially with the machismo part. I really struggled with that because there's certain gender role expectations that I felt weren't me. And I didn't want to be those things, you know, but it was what's expected. You're a girl, you're a teen girl, this is what you have to do. And so for me, it was such a huge struggle. And I remember my dad and I would always clash. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a, a very difficult relationship because I was always so very opinionated. Mm. And and I know that for us in, in the Hispanic culture, you know, it's all about respect. You have to respect your parents. And, and I felt like to some extent there were times where I didn't because I didn't feel respected. So you know I, I felt like that's where a lot of my anger came from. So due to those gender role expectations, I clashed so much with my dad. Things have gotten better. But, you know, when I was younger, I knew I was angry and I was just rebellious. And and I felt like I had to let that anger out and just rebel against my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, and it didn't help that they were super permissive when I was younger Like I said, there was a lot going on. My brother had just gone to the military. My mom was struggling with that, having my brother gone. He's the only male. It's only him and I. Mm -hmm. And so just a lot, you know, so I was just very rebellious and and just had anger issues.
0: Were you sharing that anger toward them or were you having anger feelings toward them, but then maybe you would lash out at adults at school instead of them? Or was it?
1: any, any authority figure like you at school, you know? And so that's why I say, you know, I was rebellious and and I would, um, I wasn't too respectful in my opinion to some of my teachers back then in high school to address the imposter syndrome. I think that's something that I still struggle with and I can kind of pinpoint when it started, when I started taking undergraduate class for my bachelor's degree I felt like maybe I wasn't going to be able to do it. Maybe I wasn't good enough. And when I finally attained my bachelor's degree, I thought this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's what's next? And so I just remember enrolling into a master's program, getting accepted, and then being in that master's program, thinking, I don't fit in. I, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm going to fail. You know, all these things, and even right now in a professional setting, I still see my struggle because sometimes I think, oh, my gosh, you know, do they really know who I am? Are they going to know that I'm a fraud? And there's times where I challenge those thoughts because I think, well, you know what? I do a good job. Like, I see it with my students that I help out. I see it with, you know, the comments that they bring back to me and they tell me, oh my God, thank you so much. You were so helpful. I see it. But then when it comes to other things, other areas in my role as a counselor, I think, am I good enough? Are my superiors going to know that? I'm not good enough. And so that's something that I continuously struggle with.
0: I know the audience can't see you, but I'm looking at this beautiful, poised, articulate young lady, and I would never think you're wrestling with stuff like that. But guess what? People look at me the same way. I have wrestled with anger issues, especially (laughs) growing up. Let my mother tell the story. I had some hurts inside of me that was causing me to resent my mom. I guess I wasn't emotionally intelligent enough at that age Mm -hmm. to piece together where it was coming from. So I thought I was just this rude daughter, but my behavior conflicted with what was in my heart. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to treat my mom that way, Mm -hmm. but I would find myself doing it which made me feel even worse. It was through the years after I realized that it was coming from a place I was being triggered from a place of hurt. And when I forgave my mom, that's what caused me to no longer have to express that anger toward her. Some of it stemmed from that place and then some of it just stemmed from teenagers just are a little bit crazy. So I don't want to put it all on past hurts. Because our hormones are tripping and everything when you're a kid and all the chemical imbalances and all of that, <laughs> that's right. real too. So I know something about the anger part. And that's why when I was a teacher and I saw that, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, been there, done that. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think I had the wherewithal in me when I was younger to be rude with a teacher, but I just told you I was rude to my mom. But then with the imposter syndrome, my goodness, I can relate to that, too. My listeners know I wrestled with um, insecurities, anxiety, low self-esteem, depression, suicidal thoughts, all kinds of stuff. And I didn't think I was smart. It took me forever to believe I had anything intellectually to offer just about any job or role I did, I felt like I didn't belong or eventually they're going to find out that I don't belong and kick me out of there. Like mm-hmm. even NYU, when I was working on my bachelor's degree uh, and to add insult to injury, I got into NYU on probation. <laughs> so that was kind of reinforcing those kind of mm-hmm. beliefs. I've even been in roles at work where I was like, man, I don't know what I'm doing." And they're going to find out when you stay in a profession long enough, you realize everybody starts off that way.
1: I mean, it's like the journey, you know, I think, um, (laughs) yes, I've had a lot of moments where I've doubted myself and then a lot of moments where I've been able to prove to myself that I've that I am capable, that I am enough to be in the role where I'm at, Mm -hmm. you know, and going back to, to a little bit of that angry feeling, too you know, not feeling like I was good enough. And growing up Latina, I think there was a a stereotypical expectation, at least when I felt like I was growing up, that I was going to become a chola or that I was going to become a teen mom. And so even that made me so angry. And I remember for many years, I would tell myself, I don't want to be a part of that statistic. And so for so long, you know, I had this internal battle, like, I don't want to be a part of that statistic. You know, I I want to prove all the people wrong who don't believe in me that I can do it.
0: Look at the maturity you had at such a young age.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even know when this came. You know, I mean, you're right. You know, it was like in my teen years when I thought about that. Like, I don't want to be a part of that statistic.
0: You know what? We have more in common than we might realize because I grew up in the hood, so to speak, too. Mm-hmm. We both grew up in Pomona. We're both mm-hmm. Pomona girls, <laughs> generations, but Pomona girls. And I grew up in an area that was nicknamed the islands. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh my God, the house across the street from where we lived, I mean, all manner of criminal activity happened in that house. I would see people in the neighborhood and I see women behaving in certain ways and people cussing and all this kind of stuff. And do you know that I made the decision as a child not to speak profanity, not because I thought it was the good thing to do, the right thing to do, the Christian thing to do. I just didn't want to be like those people. And I associated profanity with people like that. And Mm -hmm. I made up my mind as a child that I didn't want to be a person like that. And, you know, as I matured, I don't look down on them probably the way I did when I was younger, because I realized that it's a whole set of bad circumstances that people to where whatever we see.
1: I kind of had like an opposite experience of that. I see what you're saying about not wanting to use profanity. For me, I felt like, I had to build a tough outer shell, right? Because when you grow up in an area like Pomona, and it wasn't really bad, but you saw a lot of gang-related activity, drug activity. And so I kind of felt like I had to build this tough exterior, like you can't mess with me because I will stand up for myself. And I use profanity. And that's all part of me identifying as a rebellious person when I when I was younger, I felt like I had to. And like I said earlier, I'm very outspoken. I've always been that way. And there were altercations that I had with neighbors, you know, Mm. because I felt like they were being rude and disrespectful. And I always felt like I had to defend myself and speak up for myself. And so it was quite the experience. We all
0: internalize it differently, the circumstances Mm -hmm. that we're dealing with. I don't think I picked up a a kind of tough exterior, but I was certainly aware that I had to develop certain street-savvy skills. You learn to navigate. Like, It was tough when I was growing up. I mean, it was drive by shootings, and Mm. I mean, it was happening right in the neighborhood, right in our face. Bullets went through our front window more times than we can count. I remember walking by gang members, and I had developed enough sense at 14, 15 years old to know that I couldn't walk by them and not say hello. That's a street savviness. Because now, then I would become A subject for attack. Mm -hmm. They're being rude and disrespectful to them. So I knew that I couldn't hold a long conversation with them either. I knew that I had to keep it moving, keep walking. But if they said, hi, say hi, or maybe I say hi first, but I keep it moving so that Mm -hmm. the conversation couldn't be a lengthy conversation, nod, smile, show respect, so to speak. But I didn't have the, you know, the tough You know, speaking profanity and all that. It's funny how you have to develop these survival skills. And my daughter, having not been raised in an environment like that, oh my God, I have to tell her, like, girl, we were in a a situation in London where this person approached us, and I was like, "Mm -mm, people like that, you have to be nice, smile, and keep it moving. She knows nothing of all of that. So I try to help her. (laughs) With the street smarts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I certainly know people who did develop, I'm going to call them skills because they are a type of Mm skill. It was really self-preservation. So I had family members that took that route. I just didn't, I didn't develop that, even though Mm -hmm. I was in the environment. But we also talked about your current successes. So yeah, all these tough things. And we've even talked about how the tough things is what makes us. Even you being in the family situation you were in and the cultural expectations, all of that was giving shape to you rising above it. And as you learn how to rise above it, a certain strength is being formed. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I love about hearing your story is I'm going to say it again. You're this beautiful, successful, strong young lady that I'm looking at today. Thank you. Tell us about some of your current successes and your journey to getting there.
1: So um, my first real success that I considered to be my, my first success was attaining my bachelor's in human services. It wasn't easy. You know, even when I was in junior college, because I was a student at Mount Sac, I didn't have a car i had to ride the bus every day i experienced harassment every day cat calling it was so uncomfortable having to hear all these things when i'm just trying to get to school in addition to that not having enough money to buy books not knowing how the education system worked i was like one of the first ones in my family to attend college i was completely lost i didn't know what to do i didn't know what financial aid was so many things so many resources that i felt like i missed out on because i didn't have that awareness and were so were you one of the that,
0: first to graduate from high school too
1: um, no actually some of my cousins and my brother they graduated from high school but you know our journeys just went on different paths yeah. and so for sure i'm the first to obtain you know higher education and i'm very proud of that and so my second greatest accomplishment was getting into grad school And even that was a struggle because I was just thinking, here's the imposter syndrome kicking in. I was like, I need to find a school where I don't have to take a GRE or the GMAT, you know, because I didn't feel like I was smart enough. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a master's in counseling. I went to Cal State Fullerton. That's also where I received my bachelor's degree. Even that, it was, I want to say the most difficult journey in my life. During the third semester of grad school, I lost my mom. Um, My mom had been struggling with cancer for about seven years and I was her her caregiver. My dad would help. My brother would help here and there, but I was the main one helping. And it was a struggle. I was in grad school as a full-time student. I had a part-time job at Mount Sac and I was helping take care of my mom. So during the end of her life, as we got closer, Uh, there was just so much going on with her health that I had to feed her through a G-tube every four hours. So I would make sure that I had to schedule my classes, my work, everything around her feeding times. It was such a struggle, but I felt like I did it because my love for my mom Mm -hmm. has always been something so great. And that's like something that really motivated me. After she passed, things were not good for me. I was depressed for about 2 years. This was like my first significant loss and so I didn't really know how to grieve. I started therapy. I went to group therapy. I'm just trying to find a way to to heal. I was also very self-destructive. I started drinking more. I was smoking marijuana just to kind of numb all those feelings of pain. But I always kept her in my mind. And I knew that I had to succeed for her because when she was in her last few days, I told her, don't worry about me. I'm strong. I'm just like you. I will make it happen. I don't care what I have to do. I promise you that I'm going to finish grad school. And so that was something that just kept me going. And so even though, you know, again, like I lost surgery in my third semester of grad school, I spoke to advisors and some of my professors and they encouraged me to take a break. And I said, no, I said, there's no way I'm going to take a break. I said, um, I have to keep going. I have to finish. I can't put a pause on this. Like I will find a way to grieve and go to school and have a job. I'll figure it out. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I promised my mom and I have to fulfill that promise. So that right there, graduating felt like a, a huge accomplishment for me. And I remember, Miss Mishana, the Day that I graduated, the first thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to go to the cemetery. And I took my lay off and I put it there on her headstone. And and I just told her, like, mom, we did it, you know, because I really feel like I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. And she was there with me in the beginning and she saw my struggles of being up late till three o'clock in the morning, doing homework, writing papers. So I just feel like in spirit, she has always been there with me. My next accomplishment is buying a house, right? So I actually bought my first home in December of 2020. Mm-hmm. And even with that, I felt like, oh my God, I finally, mm-hmm. did this. you know, and I always wanted to have that stability. My family never owned a home. We were in Pomona, we were renting an apartment, we were cramped. And so for me, owning a home didn't mean, oh, I'm changing my status. It meant I'm giving myself the stability that I've always wanted. And so for me to be able to accomplish that, I just kept thinking about my mom. Again, like, mom, we did it. If you were here, I know you would be so proud of me. I know you would be here hanging out with me at home, you know, and all these things. And so those are some of my accomplishments,
0: I just want Mm -hmm. to clarify, you're the first person in your
1: family to own a home? In my immediate family. Yeah. My parents never owned a home. My brother hasn't yet either. So I'm the first in my immediate family.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I like
0: Um, how you said about your brother, yet.
1: Yet, because... I'm optimistic with certain things, not everything, but certain things. And I'm hopeful, you know, that soon he will also be a homeowner and I'm rooting for him. That's great. And then lastly, my most recent accomplishment, I just got tenured this week on Wednesday, which was International Women's Day. And so it was like (laughs) such a gift and such an honor to officially be tenured And and gain permanency, right? If you were to ask me, what does being tenured mean, maybe like 10 years ago, I would have been like, I have no idea what that means. What is that? But now I'm just like so happy that I've been able to accomplish all these things.
0: That is beautiful. And I was so happy when you shared the pictures with me on Wednesday. And again, it was really special too that it happened on International Women's Day.
1: I felt like that was also a sign from my mom, you know, like, I'm here with you, like rooting for you.
0: And you know what, I believe that I believe that um, the Bible talks about a cloud of witnesses who have gone on, but they still cheer for us here on earth. And when I hear people say like things like that, that's what it makes me think of. And I think that some of my relatives who have passed on are. Part of that cloud of witnesses for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of cultures would refer to them as ancestors, also. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that and sharing your process of getting there. You shared it so beautifully. By the way, you have such a beautiful speaking voice. You just have a beautiful <laughs> voice.
1: Thank you for that. You know, whenever I hear myself in a recording or something, I'm like, oh my God, I sound horrible.
0: Oh, not (laughs) at all. Not at all. We can just throw that one out the window. (laughs) That stops here. We've talked about how negative emotions can actually be the driver of even success, our successes. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about how you experience this dynamic in your life.
1: Well, I'm still on my healing journey. Sometimes I struggle with feelings of anxiety, feelings of self-doubt. When something happens here at home, sometimes I, I ask myself, can I handle being a homeowner? And I have to remind myself that I'm already a homeowner. I've been doing it for two years. And so I'm doing okay, right? But yes, I think sometimes it's those negative emotions or thoughts that come back to me from maybe when I was 15, maybe when I was 20 something. And, you know, and I think that it's important to try to heal ourselves because if we don't, then these negative emotions can continue to to be the driver of our lives.
0: But you know what? I think what's important about what you are sharing and the things that we're talking about, it goes back to just the simple fact that there's always going to be a challenge that we're going to face along with the good things. And I don't know that you ever get rid of, am I good enough? That voice gets quieted and Mm -hmm. it, it shows up less frequent, but I think the way we look at success has to be not wrapped in, do I ever hear those voices? Success is more defined by, even though I hear those voices, I keep moving forward. And so I applaud you for that and recognize that probably until the day you die, there's going to be some little voice that's questioning Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. I think throughout my entire journey, I have always heard those voices like "You're not good enough," or "You're not going to make it," or "People are going to know you're a fraud." Mm -hmm. But in spite of hearing those voices, I still decide to take a risk and to push through because I know that I have to. It's like at least I felt like I didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. Like if I wanted to to get out of poverty and to make a difference in my life. I was forced to do these things. I could have chosen to go down a very different path, but that's not what I wanted, you know? And so it's kind of like you said, sometimes you hear those voices and they diminish as time goes on, but you just push through.
0: And I felt like you too. I was raising a daughter alone. So sometimes when my fear showed up, they were quieted because of simple fact. I felt like I didn't have a choice. It's like, either I'm going to give in to these voices or even if I am an imposter, I'm showing up anyway. Cause I need to get paid so I can take care of my daughter. Right. Even if I'm not good enough, you're still getting me because <laughs> <laughs> I got to do what I got to do. It's funny because even in the process, that's really how I showed up. I showed up thinking I wasn't good enough and maybe I didn't deserve to be here. And maybe I wasn't smart enough to be in this position but I felt like, but I gotta do it. So you're getting an imposter, you're getting someone who's not good enough, but I I'm doing it. But you know what? By doing it, I proved all of those voices wrong. Mm-hmm. I was good enough mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. good at it. And I did deserve the position. So there.
1: And that's how I feel as well. You know, it's like I've been able to prove to myself that I am capable and that I am good enough.
0: And isn't that a beautiful feeling?
1: It is.
0: (laughs) And that's what I'm responding to when I look at you. I see all of that.
1: You know, I think it's hard for me to sometimes recognize those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see, you know, people that genuinely love me and care about me. They express the same thing you have just expressed. When people tell me that, for me, I'm like, almost like in disbelief like you see that in me why don't I see that in me little by little I'm starting to see these things and and to really own them because I think in the past it's just been a struggle with owning those things
0: and I can relate to that see you articulate yourself so well and you share such wonderful little gems that can help us all and and help my audience you know I'm 53 so by the time you're 53. You've had a lot of time to figure some things out and sort some things Mm -hmm. out and squash those voices or silence those voices. So you're looking at me and I just had a lot more practice, a lot more experience because I'm a lot older. But I can relate to everything that you're saying, the journey, the process of it all. I believe that I belong, but it's still a part of me wrestling. I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And it's valid and it's okay. And you know that as you just keep journeying down the road of success, it gets easier. And it's mm-hmm. that way with everything in life. Again, I'm proud of you. I look forward to seeing, cause you're still young yet. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to seeing, you know, the greater things you're doing. And I feel so happy because it's like, wow, you said there's something I said to you that impacted you and helped you to some degree on your journey to success. And mm-hmm. then now I get to hear you talking to students and you're that for them. So in a secret little selfish kind of way, I feel like I have something to do with your students getting these positive things from me. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. You know, thank you for mentioning that because, you know, first of all, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I was going to be a professor, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my role as a counselor, I also have to teach. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky to get to work with advanced ESL students when I start off my class, I want to make sure that my students feel welcomed, but that they also feel like they have someone they can relate to. And so one of the things that I like to share about me, I tell my students, hey, guess what? I'm also an English language learner. English is my second language. And yes, it's different because I was born here, but I didn't start learning English until I started going to school. You know, my first language was Spanish. And I tell my students." Till this day, I struggle with the pronunciation of certain words and I tell them Me, I get embarrassed. Sometimes I stumble upon certain words when I'm you know, lecturing and I stop and I say, hey, see, I'm like, I'm human. Mistakes happen. We're all learning English. You know, this is something that can happen to anyone. And so I think that helps them. And I always tell them too, if I was able to do it, you can do it too. I know we have different backgrounds. I know we have, you know, different cultures. However, you are capable. And honestly, I really hope that I do make a difference in someone's life. Maybe one day a student will reach out to me and tell me, hey, Ms. Maribel, you know, you impacted my life in this way, or you motivated me to do this. And I don't do it expecting something in return, but I just hope. That one day I do make an impact in someone's life.
0: I think you are already. Just even by what you just shared, I know that you are already. Being transparent and showing them that English is your second language also. And while English was not my second language, I certainly did not arrive at school with academic speech. I was not Mm -hmm. academic language ready. Meaning My family came from Mississippi, and so I learned the Mississippi dialect, and it was Mm -hmm. very different. And when I came to school, as early as kindergarten, I remember feeling shock and shame, and it Mm -hmm. made me be quiet. I didn't know that I was showing up speaking in a way that was not expected of me. And I've had a lifetime journey of putting how other people speak on the radar of my mind to try to learn how to speak better. So I can relate to some of that too. And I share that with students as you do. It really does help them. The whole idea is for them to look at us and say, well, if they did it, I can too. So I love that you share that. I don't know if it hasn't been enough time for you yet. Get a student to come back and say, oh my God, you changed my life or you really helped me. I already know by what you're sharing that whether you hear from them or not, and you probably will, You are doing that. We are reaching the end of our interview, but there's one question that I ask every single guest at the end. And it's, which one final gem would you leave with my audience? If they forget everything we talked about today, you feel like they really need to hold on to this one though Mm -hmm. and help them get to their next level of best.
1: I think it's very important for people to think about their why. Why do you want to accomplish something? Why do you want to get there? And for me, as I mentioned earlier, my why was because I was tired of being poor and living in a cramped apartment. There was no privacy. Neighbors weren't great. So that was a part of my why. Another why was I wanted stability and because I wanted something better. So focusing on my why really helped me motivate myself to go on to the next step. Remember, Maraba, if you want to get you know more money, you have to go to school because I felt like education was my way out. For some people, it's not. For some people, maybe it's starting their own business. Well, think about why you want to start that business. What is motivating you? And then another thing that I think about is when you know your why, take a risk. Because if we have our why, but we don't Take a risk, then we're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Even if you take a risk and you fail, you're still learning and you're gaining experience to be better. Mm -hmm. Right. So, when you know your why, I -hmm. think that's the biggest motivator. Whether you want to lose weight, Mm -hmm. right? I want to lose weight. Why do I want to lose weight? Is it because I want to be able to fit in a roller coaster and have (laughs) fun? Is it because I want to live a healthier, long life for my kids, my family? It's your why. And then just go from there.
0: I like the examples you gave and how they're so (laughs) on the opposite ends of the spectrum from just, I want to have fun and be able to fit in this roller coaster too. I want to live a long life for my kids. I love that. The whole idea of letting your why inspire you. That's great stuff. Good stuff. And when you discover your why and what it is you want to do, you got to get to work. Because a Mm -hmm. lot of us will say, I want this but they never start the first step in that direction to get there. So we want to encourage mm-hmm. people to get moving. Mm-hmm. It's not going to just fall from the sky.
1: Right. And <laughs> for those who struggle with in- imposter syndrome, fake it till you make it.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Fake it till you make it. Here are examples of that. Well, Maribel, I am just, again, so happy. I know that you shared many things today that are going to help my audience. And this is forever going to be a special episode for me. If I do wind up ever interviewing a former student again, maybe I will. I don't know. Choose
1: me. Choose me again.
0: You're you're (laughs) certainly the first forever.
1: You know, I can already think about other topics that would be great for the podcast. Oh, great. So yes, you know, it's definitely been an honor to be here. And thank you for you know, for thinking of me and for choosing me to record with you. I know that I had mentioned, you know, being scared of recording because I thought, what value am I going to bring to this great (laughs) podcast? I really appreciate you having me here, Ms. Mishana. And I keep calling you Ms. Mishana because for me, that's a form of respect. That's how I met you. And I struggle calling you by your first name, (laughs) but thank you.
0: Well, you can call me Miss Mashana. you can call me Pamela, you can call me Dr. Mashana. just don't call me Pam. Got it. <laughs> and that's because I don't like that from anybody. not my favorite. Some of my family members call me Pam because it's been from childhood, but I like the sound of Pamela.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful uh, name.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy that you've come on, but I do want to give you opportunity, if there's something you... Do something you offer, and you want the audience to be able to get in touch with you or ask you questions or whatever the case may be. Do you want to share any information like that?
1: Well, I don't feel like I do anything special, but if you or your family member or a friend or a neighbor, if they want to learn English, I work at Mount San Antonio College. I'm one of the ESL counselors. I can guide you through the process. I know that it can be intimidating for some people. I'm willing to help those people and guide them through their process. I do have my social media on Instagram at ESL underscore counselor underscore Gonzalez with both C's. And um, also my email. I'll give my personal email out. It is MG twenty twenty C A S A at gmail.com. And I'm also very big into mental health. So I know connections, you know, that can help people maybe get started with therapy. Any questions, you know, reach out.
0: That is great. And stop saying that you don't feel like you do anything (laughs) special. Everything you just said is special.
1: Thank you. (laughs) So
0: we're staying connected and we're gonna work on that together. Before we end it officially. Say your name one last time, the way you yes. said and I'm going to give it a try.
1: Maribel Gonzalez.
0: Maribel Gonzalez.
1: Yes. I'm
0: close, but You're not close. Close. we'll keep working on that. Love you. Thank you so Love much. Love you
1: too. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.